Hey, welcome back to Real Talk. We are just two weeks away from this pretty big election in America. And I know a lot of you feel like I do. There's a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of anger, a little bit of frustration with where we are as a country and a set of leaders. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes to give you a little bit of perspective from where I sit on the state of our union, share with you my heart from just one guy, my perspective, and maybe help you a little bit as you think about heading into voting. Some of you may have already voted already, so you could disregard everything I'm saying, but you may still be feeling a little bit anxious. So hopefully some of these comments will help you. And here's what I'll tell you. I love this country. I love God. I love people. And I just want to help all of us love each other and God and this country. I mean, that's kind of it. That's the basics of it. So here's a couple things you should know before we start. I'm not coming down from a mountaintop to tell you like some kind of prophet how you should vote. It's not thus saith the Lord. No. I actually want you to think. I want you to take all that you're hearing from me and from all other voices and hold them up to God. Ask God what you should do. I also don't have a horse in this race. I'm an independent voter. It doesn't mean being a Democrat or a Republican is wrong. I'm not telling you you should be an independent. I'm just telling for you, for me, from my perspective, none of the parties have represented the way I think. And I tend not to vote on party lines, but instead to look at each person, to look at each circumstance and vote based on the person. And so no horse in the race for this election to share with you. There's also not gonna be any dog whistles in my comments. You know what a dog whistle is? When you blow a whistle for a dog, it's in a frequency that only dogs can hear. It's almost like some secret code. If you play real talk backwards, you'll somehow hear what Joe really thinks about this candidate or that candidate. Or wink, wink, I'm saying this so you vote for Trump. Wink, wink, I'm saying this so you vote for Biden. No, I'm just sharing with you my heart and what I think and what I feel as I look at all of this. And if you don't listen to this whole thing, you could certainly strip anything I say out of context. And if you only wanna hear what you wanna hear, you're going to strip out of context what I say. You're gonna make me say, or you're gonna think I'm saying something that I'm not actually saying. What I'm going to say is, what I'm going to say. If you're waiting on the seat of your edge of your chair, hoping that I come out strong for this candidate or this policy, I'm gonna disappoint you. If you think I have the answers to all of this, I'm gonna disappoint you. But if we can just have an honest conversation about politics, election, and culture in America today and hold all of this up to God, maybe all of us would be less angry and anxious about election season. I wonder if you're angry and anxious this election season because you're consuming way too much media. You're watching cable news. You're listening to talk radio. You're on social media all the time. If you can't consume these media outlets without getting angry or anxious, then maybe you should stop. Can I encourage you to look at history? I mean, with some perspective, you realize like, no, actually, this isn't the most important election in the US history. If you look at American history and world history, you realize 
This isn't the most difficult time our country has ever been through. So when your blood pressure goes up or you're red-faced with anger at someone or something, get some perspective. Look at history and realize, yes, every vote counts and every vote matters, but following your conscience and listening to God and doing what he leads you to do is going to bring about results that are in his hands. Maybe you should look at the branches of government and study a little bit from civics. Do you remember learning about the branches of government in school? There's distinct roles of each branch of government. And our founders put this elaborate system together to put in checks and balances to help us. And as crazy and dysfunctional at times as our government is, there are still checks and balances in place that will help to lower your blood pressure. So what does the legislative branch do? It makes laws. What does the executive president do? Executes the laws. What does the judiciary do? Interprets the laws. Each one of these branches works together and there's checks and balances. So relax, because guess what? The president actually can't do what some of us think he or she can do. You know, a Supreme Court justice can't actually overturn anything. Relax. We find ourselves in a situation where we make way too much of the presidency. I have respect for the office of the president. I think these are important times, but our founders put together this system because we didn't want a king or a queen. We wanted a republic with representation, and frankly, most of us don't know what's going on locally, but local elections actually have more consequences to our daily lives than national elections. Again, don't hear me wrong. Presidency is important. Supreme Court nominations are important. But do you know your local county commissioners? Do you know your state representatives? And are you informed and educated at that local level? Because those elections actually impact your daily life more than the national. What's your responsibility this election season? It's to vote. Your vote is your voice. And how do you go about voting? You talk to God. I mean, this is kind of basic. If you're angry and anxious, maybe you're trying to over control things and move beyond what's your responsibility. So as an American citizen, if you're a Christian, take the vote seriously. Be educated, think about it, pray about it. Vote your conscience, but let it, the results be in God's hands at that point. You don't have to do anything more than that. One of the things I love about our country is freedom. I love the freedom of speech. I love that we have the freedom to protest. I love that there's a free and impartial press. I love the right to bear arms. I love that we're free to worship whomever we choose. But this freedom that we have is never free. It always comes at a cost. Someone paid for every freedom that we have and every freedom we hope for in the future will also come at a cost. Ronald Reagan, when he was inaugurated as the governor of California, in 1967 said this. He said, freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation. For freedom 
comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. This freedom that we have is always in jeopardy. It's one generation, one vote away from being lost. So we live in this great country where we have an opportunity to vote and share our voice. And in sharing our voice and our vote, we preserve our freedoms. So is this election important? Is our freedom, all kinds of freedom, always at stake? Yes, we lean into this voting process as Americans and as Christians because God made us free and we have the chance to preserve freedoms the freedom to worship through our votes. So I care about voting and I care about this country and I care about us voting to keep our freedoms and to ensure there are freedoms and justices for everyone that lives here and calls this place home. So now my trip to DC, two nights in DC, and I just happened to be there the week that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. It's actually pretty historic. This woman who served in the Supreme Court of the United States for 27 years passed away and she's the first female justice to be lying in state in our capital. And I had the opportunity while I was there to go and see her casket and honor her life. And I actually took a picture of it because I think these are historic moments that I'll share with my kids and my grandkids. This woman who did so many great things for our country, broke glass ceilings for women. But here's the deal. Does that mean that I agree with everything that she thought? Does it mean I agree with every decision she made as a justice? No, there's some great decisions she was a part of. And there were some decisions I disagree with wholeheartedly. Her view of the unborn, her view of Roe versus Wade, I disagree with completely. But that doesn't mean I can't honor her as a woman who served our country faithfully and did some incredible things. Here's the deal. When you look at a Supreme Court justice, or you look at a president, or a politician, or a leader, or a person, if you can't see both positive and negative, you're not seeing the whole person. If I can't look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg and see that she had positive attributes and negative attributes as a justice and as a person, I'm not seeing things clearly. If we only see the positive, here's the danger. We become blindly loyal. And if we only see the negative, we become bitter and angry. If you only see someone's upsides, loyalty is blind. If you all only see the negative, man, you become bitter and angry. Can I encourage you that every person and every politician has both positives and negatives, and when you can see both sides of that candidate and that person, you actually lower your blood pressure and you see them as just a mere mortal. And it just takes sort of the crazy out of it. So on my way into DC, I had the radio on and I heard the grand jury verdict of Breonna Taylor. And 
My heart sank. Brianna Taylor is a 26-year-old African-American woman who was shot by police officers, unarmed. And I try to put myself in the seat of the family who's lost their precious daughter in a climate in our culture where there's so many feelings and so much of a sense of injustice and injustice that has taken place and is taking place. And a grand jury hears the evidence of this case Based on the evidence, they make the decision to not charge the officers. And yet you still have a family and a community who are just heartbroken, longing for justice, grieving the loss of someone precious to them on top of a society that's just boiling over with tension on this subject. That night I'm in DC and I'm just walking around I'm hanging out actually by the White House because I just want to see what's going on in our capital. And I hear a lot of noise and I see a bunch of police officers. And I thought, I wonder if the police officers are clearing the way for the presidential motor car to come through. And that's what it looked like. They were just clearing the streets of all the traffic. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm going to see the motorcade of the president come by. But then I hear this noise, and it's just getting louder and louder. And as I look down the street, I see a crowd of people coming my way towards the White House. And it's a protest. It's the night that this, this case verdict has been handed down. And there are lots and lots of people across the country, but here in D.C., that are concerned about injustice in our society and not happy angered by the grand jury verdict of Breonna Taylor. And so I'm just a hyper-curious person. This protest is moving on the street right in front of me and I'm just watching. I just wanna see what's going on. I mean, most of us have watched the news this summer and we've seen all of these protests across the country and I kinda of get to have a front row seat, so I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna watch. And so I start to follow as this protest is moving around a park and moves closer to the White House. I follow at a distance because I, I wanna see, I wanna know what's going on. I wanna see it with my own eyes. And what I noticed is fascinating. Here's what I saw. They were young and old in this protest. There were black and white. There were individuals in strollers and individuals in wheelchairs. And they were peacefully raising their voice over injustice, and I thought it was beautiful. Protesting in America is one of the freedoms that we have. And I saw police officers, and the police officers were clearing the way to protect the protesters, to allow them to use their voice and protest. And we moved around this park, I'm following from the rear, and we get up to this one spot, and everything stops, and people start to make speeches. Speeches of protest, sharing their hearts and feeling about injustice in America. And you know what I did? I sat and listened. Did I agree with everything I heard? No. But did I hear a heart cry of a people longing for justice? Yes, I did. Were there people screaming about and screaming at the police officers? Yes, but nobody was violent. They just protested and shared their thoughts and the police officers remained calm. I just saw one protest, but it really helped me to see maybe what goes on in these moments and what people are feeling and experiencing. 
you know, I talked to everybody. So at one point I stopped to talk to a police officer and I asked him, I said, what do you think about these protests? You guys in DC and around the country, protests everywhere and just happen day after day after day. What do you think? And he said, you know, I do my job to protect people. I do my job as an officer to protect people who are protesting. And I love as a country that these individuals can protest his words. And he, I said, well, is it hard? Like, is this difficult? And he goes, you know, it's not difficult until people throw urine on me. And I thought to myself, you know, if someone threw urine on me, that would be really hard. That'd be really hard for me too. Wouldn't it be hard for you? And so this protest is going on. There's speeches that are happening. It's peaceful. I'm learning a lot. I'm just watching. I'm just trying to absorb and understand what's taking place. And you know, all of a sudden, I mean, I felt safe. I heard a lot. But all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a group of people show up. A group of people all dressed in black with helmets on and goggles on and gas masks on. And one man dressed like this had a bat in his hands. And, and all of a sudden, that which was peaceful, where people were sharing their heart over wanting justice for all, where there were disagreements with police officers, maybe even cries to defund the police, but there was no sense of any agitation. It was very peaceful. Now all of a sudden, some agitators show up and they start riling up the crowd and fireworks start going off and property starts to get destroyed. Something that started out peaceful became not so peaceful. All of a sudden things started to change. And, and I'm not saying that this is what happened in every protest or every riot this summer. I can just tell you what I saw with my own eyes. I don't know who these people were. I don't know where they came from. I don't know what their purpose was or their point. I can just tell you something changed and I felt unsafe and I had to leave. As I backed away from that experience, watching something peaceful transition into something not so peaceful, I thought to myself, is it possible that in America today there are some not experiencing justice? Absolutely. Is it possible that if you were the recipient of injustice that you would protest too? I would. Is it fair to judge every peaceful protester the same way as a rioter? To make everyone seem like the problem when maybe it's only a couple bad characters? Is it possible that every cop is dirty? No way! And that we should judge every cop by one or two or a group of bad cops? No, that's not reasonable at all. Is it possible there are people taking advantage of the situation that's happening in our country and using the circumstances that we're experiencing as a nation to bring about evil? Is it possible that Satan is taking all of this disruption and causing disunity and death? Is there more going on than what we can see and what's reported? The answer is absolutely, but it's dividing us. We're throwing all kinds of people away and we're dismissing people, dismissing protesters, dismissing police officers and judging everyone with one broad stroke. That's not reasonable and that's not American. And I thought to myself, I love that we can protest. And I love that police officers protect us when we protest. 
And I'm not going to believe that every peaceful protester is wrong and every cop is bad. So on my last night in D.C., I went down to the Lincoln Memorial. Have you ever been down there? It's this beautiful space where there's a reflecting pool that looks over in the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building, and it was sunset. I mean, beautiful, idyllic, great experience. And I stood with all that's going on in our country looking at this mammoth statue of President Lincoln. And I thought about all the progress him and leaders like him made in our country. Right below the Lincoln Memorial, on the stairs leading up to it, there's this space where actually Dr. King stood and spoke and delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. And carved in the stone in the steps is the exact spot he stood to give this speech. And if you think of it, behind him is Lincoln, this great mammoth statue, and this very quiet inscription in the stone where Dr. King, another mammoth leader, speaks this incredible vision over our country. Because yeah, Lincoln behind him made progress, but now Dr. King is looking over this mall, delivering a speech that says, I have a dream that there is justice for all, that yes, progress has been made, but more progress still to come. And as I stood right where Dr. King gave that speech, honestly, overwhelmed with humility and overwhelmed also with a dream that the progress we made isn't enough. Yes, we've made progress as a country in many ways, but we still have progress to make. And I, I did something, I'm not sure why, I just got down on my knees right there on that spot where Dr. King spoke. And I just prayed to God. And I said to God, would you raise up more leaders like President Lincoln? who aren't perfect, but had courage to move some things forward? Would you raise up more leaders like Dr. King, who saw the progress made and didn't just say, throw America away and restart it again, but dreamed a dream that all of us want for liberty and justice for all. And I just quietly, silently, in that moment, knelt and prayed and asked the God who raised up all these leaders in the past to raise up leaders now who won't divide us, but who will unite us. As I was standing there, I heard some music. It was hymns, people singing hymns. And I'm a curious person, so I tried to follow the sound and as I was trying to find where these hymns were coming from I heard a guy start to preach and again as a preacher curious I want to go hear what someone's preaching about I found this tent it sat maybe four or five six hundred people in this area of the park outside the Lincoln Memorial and they're having a church service and the preacher is preaching lots of biblical truth honestly didn't have a lot of biblical grace. On a loudspeaker across the mall in Washington, D.C., he just spent all his time condemning America, condemning American churches, and condemning American Christians. And I thought, here's just another voice, another part of our world 
condemning. And honestly, I don't want to be a part of condemning everything I see. I don't want to be a part of condemning America and saying everything that's been done in the past in America is bad and we just have to scrap it. I don't want to be a part of condemning the American church and saying the way we used to do it and this is the way we have to do it. I don't want to be a part of condemning every American Christian and every person in America. That doesn't seem at all to me like how Jesus led and lived. Instead of condemning, Jesus invited people to live in a new and better way. And as I look at all the tension and division in our country today, all the different voices and all the people clamoring, I wonder if I've used condemnation instead of invitation. Jesus never pushed anyone down to make his point or to make himself feel better. Instead, he invited people. He didn't shout. He didn't harm or hurt or try to force his way on anyone. If Jesus didn't use condemnation but invited people into the kingdom of heaven, then that's how I want to live too. You see, when you condemn those people, when on your social media account you condemn and speak poorly of those people in that political party, if you say negative and hurtful things about people who vote for that candidate, you become a part of the voice of condemnation instead of being the voice of unity and inviting people into something better. Perhaps instead of condemning this country, and trying to cancel everything you see. Perhaps we could be a part of an America where we pray and we ask God quietly and peacefully to change the hearts of people, starting with me. So when you think of voting, vote your conscience. Take everything that you've heard, things that you feel, things that you think, things that you believe, and talk to God about it. He's going to guide you into what you should do and how you should do it. The reality is there are Christ followers who are going to vote for Donald Trump. And there are Christ followers who are going to vote for Joe Biden. And there are Christ followers who are going to write in Mickey Mouse because they don't want to vote for either of those two. There are some who will even abstain from voting for president and vote for other parts of the ballot. Whatever you do, vote what you believe God is calling you to do. And that vote is private. You don't have to share that with everyone. You don't need to grandstand. When someone at the office asks you who you voted for, you don't have to tell them. And you also don't have to fight about it. I've heard stories of couples that have different perspectives on this topic and it's causing tension in their marriage because they believe differently on who to vote for. And that shouldn't be. If there's tension between you and your son because you're voting differently, that shouldn't be. You should just keep your vote quiet. You don't need to tell everyone, and you're probably not going to change someone's opinion by telling them who you're voting for. They also think there are times that some people abstain from voting or don't put a top-level presidential vote in, and other people say, well, if you don't vote that way, it's going to give a vote for the other team. Stop listening to that malarkey. Vote your conscience because you answer to God and the results are his. 
whatever actually plays out, the results are in his corner. And I trust him with the results. Here's the last thing I'll say. If you vote for Donald Trump, you will probably be disappointed. And if you vote for Joe Biden, you will probably be disappointed because every politician, every leader, every person, every pastor will let you down. If the results of November 3rd rock your world, either you are on the mountaintop because you think the best thing has happened in the world, or if they leave you in the pit because you think the worst thing has ever happened in the world, that probably shows that you've put way too much trust in a person or a political system. Jesus is the only one who will never let us down and we can trust him. So vote your conscience, talk to God, and leave the results to him. God bless you and God bless these United States of America. What a cheesy way to end it. President Hensler, 2020. <laughs> was that the worst way to end it ever? I was like, I thought about it. I'm like, I think I'm going to end this like a president would end it. Is that...